friend named Patty. And Patty, for about 20 or 25 years, she had a disease where she would, she would eat food, but it did her very little or no good because her body could not absorb the, the nutrients that she, she needed. And so even though she did, you know, she ate and ate and ate, uh, her body was no better off for her eating all that, uh, all that food. And I thought, you know, there's, there's kind of a, a spiritual aspect to that as well because I think uh, far too often we have that same problem spiritually as she has physically, that, uh, that sometimes we will see God deliver us. We will see God come through for us. We will see God provide breakthrough. We will see God do some uh, healing or provision or something amazing. We will see God do a miracle in our life, and we're no better off having seen that. It has not made the difference in our life. I mean, we, we may be really thankful for it. We may give thanks to God, but, our, but we've, not, we've, not gone to a, not, we've not gone to another level. You know what I mean? We have not gone, allowed that to take our faith to a, different, uh, to a different level. And maybe we heard a testimony. Maybe there's so many testimonies up here that, that we hear that, of God touching somebody's life, transforming somebody's life. But here's the thing. We may lean over and go, man, that was a cool story. We may talk about it at lunch. It may be tears to our eyes. We may clap real hard for it. But unless we get the nutrients out of it, that God is an amazing God, what God did in their life, God can do in our life and give glory to God and it increases our faith then we're no better off for having heard that story. And there's a, a story in the, in the Bible about the disciples who, uh, it's a, a, very, a very famous story, and here's the background of it. Okay, you have the disciples, uh, Jesus was out preaching in the wilderness, out in a barren place, and, and, and I mean, there was out in the middle of nowhere, because so there was, no, there was no Chick-fil-A, there was no Taco Bell, there was no McDonald's for them, and the people were hungry, and here's what happened. It said, uh, this is Mark chapter 6, but the, that, this time it was late in the day, so the disciples came to Jesus. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered, you give them something to eat. And he said to, to him, uh, and they said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go out and spend that much on bread and give it them to eat? How many loaves and fish do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to, to have all the people sit down in groups in the grass, green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave it to the disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls uh, places of, of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten were 5,000. And you can just tell by what these guys are going through that they are overwhelmed, that suddenly they're supposed to, there's all these people, 5,000 men, probably counting the women and children, there's probably between 10 and 20,000 people, that's as many people as there are in Time Warner, uh, Warner Arena, and now all of a sudden you have, you have a, a problem, you say that problem in a way that is different from Jesus. All the disciples are going, man, we need to send them away. Jesus says, no, you feed them. Now, put yourself in their shoes for a moment. Put yourself in their sandals. Now, suddenly, Jesus is trying to put on you that you're supposed to take care of feeding between 10 and 20,000 people. I think uh, you'd be pretty overwhelmed. I'd be pretty overwhelmed as well. But watch how they responded to Jesus in this whole thing. The first thing is they never came up to him and, and said, Jesus, you know, they, they never trusted in his ability to do anything about it. 
By this time, they'd been following Jesus for a while, and they'd already seen this. They had already seen Jesus heal lepers. They had already seen Jesus turn water into wine. They'd already seen Jesus heal a paralytic. They'd already seen Jesus uh, heal a, a, a centurion's servant. They'd already seen him calm a storm. They'd already seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. You would think that at least one of them would have gone, you know what, Jesus, can you do something about this? I mean, we have this problem over here. We have this provision. You turn water into wine. Can you do something about this? You'd think at least one of the 12, that would have crossed their mind. But they acted as if Jesus was not even part of the equation. In fact, something else that they did is they never asked Jesus for advice. They never said, Jesus, what do you think we should... Okay, here's the situation. We're over in overhead. What do you think we should do? You know what they did? They told Jesus what to do here. They tried to tell him, Jesus, here's the situation. You need to send everybody home. They're telling him what to do. Now, imagine if you were in this situation, how would you have responded? Would you have gone to Jesus and said, you know, Jesus, I've seen you so much come through in my life and everything. I've seen you do miracles and, and the next time now I'm over my head and I, I know you can do something about it. Or would you immediately say, Jesus, you know, Jesus, what do I do here? I mean, I'm over my head. Please give me direction. Give me guidance. Or would you act as if Jesus wasn't even part of the equation and just go to the figured out room and try to figure out and then maybe, maybe, maybe at the last thing, maybe call on Jesus to see whether he could do something uh, about it as, uh, as well. And notice what, what Jesus did. Uh, he, he just put yourself again, put yourself in their, their shoes. That all of a sudden he had them divide up and everybody get into groups of 50 and 100. He didn't even pray. Do you realize that? He just thanked God. He just thanked the Father. And, and then all of a sudden he said, gave the, imagine you're there and Jesus gives you some loaves and fishes, a basket full, and you go and you hand it to some people. And you're wondering what in the world is going on here because you realize there's not enough to feed the front row, much less everybody else. And you go and, but it's more, every time you put your hand in, there's more fish. There's more bread. Every time you do this and then acts and, and it's happening through you. That's the thing. I mean, Jesus isn't doing this. He's doing it through you. I mean, you're the one that's handing this out. He's using your hands to do a miracle. And all of a sudden, at the end, you look, and not only is everybody fed, but you've got enough food left over for every one of you disciples to have a basket for yourself to take home as a, in, a, in a doggy bag. How would you, if you were there, how would this experience have changed your life? How would it have affected you? How should it have affected you? You know, I asked people, I asked some of you, if you were, you know, what would you expect this have done to the disciples? How would you expect it to change their life? And they said this, what should they have learned from this? And one person said, God is bigger than any shortfall we would, could ever have. Another person said, God can provide anything, anywhere. Somebody else said, nothing is impossible with God. That's what they should have learned. Somebody else said, said God will always come through for us. And another person said, not only can God do amazing things, he can do them through us. And I thought, that's amazing, you know, that last one of just going that, that not only, you know, God could have just gone, Jesus could have just gone, poof, and there's all this, you know, all this food to do that. But he chose, just like he does usually, to do the miracle, to do the provision, to do the breakthrough through a human being, through using you and I to break through in the lives of other people and to pray for them and to see healing come through our hands. And he does that through other people to, for provision for, for us. God chooses in his, to, to use human beings to do some amazing things. And how, could you, how would you feel if you watched Jesus do that through, through your hands? So let me ask you this. Did the disciples get the spiritual nutrients they should have gotten from this? Should, did, they, did they learn the lesson of any of the things that we just talked about? 
Well, um, apparently not, because just two chapters later, okay, so this could be days later, this could be weeks later, it probably was no more than a few months later, and here's what happened. And this time there's 4,000 men, so probably just a few thousand people. There's fewer, a few, fewer people. We have seven loaves this time. Watch what happens. And certainly the disciples' faith would have risen to the occasion. During these, those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've been already with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. Can you imagine pre- he's preaching so well that he, they've been there for three days and people are not even worried about the food so far? Uh, if I send them uh, hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place could we possibly get enough fee- f- bread to feed them? Seriously? I mean, do you ever just want to grab them by the lapels, throw them up against the wall and say, what, what have you been smoking? Do you not see anything? Did you not see anything that Jesus did just a few days ago or weeks ago or whatever it is? And you would have thought that at least one of them would have gone, you know what, Jesus came through in this exact situation just a few, just a few weeks ago, and here we're in the same situation. Let's go to Jesus. Obviously, Jesus can do something about this. Obviously, Jesus can provide with the, with the food. But it seems like, again, it seems like they totally forgot. And look what happens, that... Uh, how many loaves do you have, Jesus? Uh, Jesus, seven, they replied. He said, uh, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When they've taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke bread and gave it to the disciples, set it before the people, and they did so. Does this sound familiar? They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were present. Jesus comes through again in the exact situation. The good news is never, ever, ever would they ever distrust God. Again, would they, especially in provision, especially when it comes to this. Well, five verses later... They develop spiritual amnesia again. Now, this is five verses later. This could have been the next day. And it goes in Mark chapter 8. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one, uh, one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed what in the world that could have meant to each other. It's because that we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes that fail to see and ears that fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you, did you pick up? Twelve, they said. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many pick it, uh, basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven, he said to them. Do you still not understand? Can you hear the exasperation? Like, what is it going to take before you believe in me? What is it going to take before you see that I will come through for you? What is it going to take before you see that I have everything that you you need? And, and, And here's something we need to know. Jesus doesn't just perform miracles here or anywhere or provide for us or do anything like that just to wow us. He does it. It's supposed to be school for us. It's supposed to take us to another level. That every time we see Jesus in one thing, it's supposed to take us to a completely different level and go, wow, look at what happened here. I can trust God in that way. And here's two things that we have to learn. First, witnessing God's power and faithfulness should do at least two things in our life. First, they should at least take our faith up to another level of that provision, miracle, and breakthrough. Let me say what I'm uh, talk about what I'm saying there. Is a few 
several years ago, I mean way, way, way many years ago, my brother's best friend growing up was a a man by the name of Randy. Randy was a a football player for the University of Colorado in Nebraska. Uh, and uh, he, right now, uh, he is uh, he's doing some incredible things with, with publishing a magazine uh, focused at Christian African Americans. Incredible guy. He was actually in, also in the theater next door to the one that had the massacre in it in, in Colorado. But one time, I'm, uh, I'm a young guy, probably in high school, maybe, and, and he calls me up and he says, Hey, how'd you like to go uh, lift weights with Cullen Bryan and I? And I'm like, Colin Bryan, oh man, this guy is the, you know, was an All-American at University of Colorado. He was 13 years in the pros. He was, he was uh, a, a guy that if you ever saw those uh, arm wrestling championships in the NFL, I think he won it like about three or four straight years. Had to be one of the strongest people pound for pound to ever play in the NFL. And I'm like, oh, I'm all over this. So I go and watch and, and they, they start out, okay, they start out at 410 pounds, Okay. So I'm going, like, I'm going to lift part of that, right? I can't even, I mean, 10 of me would have trouble with, uh, with that. But I'm watching this guy. I'm watching him lift 410 pounds. Now, how stupid would, how stupid would it be to come up to, to him and say, hey, I'm benching 25. Can you come and can you, do you think you could do this? Because I know he can do that. In fact, if I said, came up and said, do you think you could bench 410 pounds? What would he say to me? You just saw me do that? How in the world would you not know that I could do that because you just saw me do that? So here's the thing. Every time we see God do something in our life, it should at least take us to that level. Every time we see him do a breakthrough, we should go, okay, I know God can do this because I just saw him do this in my life. I know God can, t- can provide in this way. I know God can heal this disease because I've seen him do it. I know God can, can do a breakthrough. I know God can reconcile relationships because I've seen him do it right here. And it should take us at least to that level. But also, it shouldn't take us to another level, and that's the second thing. They should raise our expectation to what God can do even more than what we've experienced. In other words, this, what it was up here, this was our ceiling. And then all of a sudden, I go, you know what? I know God can do that, so now it's my floor, and this is the least God can do. In fact, you know, uh, again, going back to Colin Bryant, my friend said he lifted over, bench-pressed over 500 pounds that day. So here's the thing, too, that my expectation would be, even when I saw, if I saw him, when I saw him do 400 pounds, I'm thinking, I know he can do more than this. This is warm-up for him. And this is just the start for him. This is the least he can do. I know he can do this. And here's the thing, what it should do for us, that when we see God do something and provide, that should be the floor and go, okay, I know God can do at least this. I know, I bet he can do way more than this, but I know he can do this, and I should never have trouble trusting him again to at least this level. In fact, when Randy told me that he benched over 500 pounds, I had no reason to doubt him. Randy had never told me a lie before, and I trusted, trusted him. So now, you know what, according to that, I could actually believe that, Ray, that Colin can bench press 500 pounds because, I saw, because my friend said that he could do that. You know, when we read the Bible, when we hear testimonies, it should increase our faith to go, wow, you know what? I believe God can even do that. It should increase our faith, and we go up to another level, hearing some other testimony about what God's doing in their life. Or how about this? How about, uh, you know, in the Bible, we read this, I, I trust the Word of God. It's never let me down. It has never lied to me. And the thing is that we can do is I can look and see that, man, God is doing so much more than I've ever seen Him do. And I can trust God that if the God did, that did it then is the same God that can do things in my life as, uh, as, as well. And here's, the, here's the, a verse that I saw in, in um, Psalm 78, 9. It said this, The warriors of Ephraim... Though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. Okay, do you get what happened? 
They, here's these people that are fully equipped to, to, to win this war, fully equipped to do battle, fully equipped to everything they, they need, and yet they ran away when the, when, the, when the pressure got on. Why in the world did they do that? And it says in verse 10, they did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his instructions. That's number one. Second thing is they forgot what he had done, the great wonders that he had shown them. The reason they ran away like cowards is first, they didn't, they, they didn't do what God told them to do. But the second thing is they forgot everything that God had blessed them with and come through for them. And you know, for the next 19 verses, you know what it said in Psalms? It's saying God did this and this and this and this and this and this. He talked about dividing the Red Sea. He talked about providing water from a rock. He he talked about providing manna. He did this, and yet it comes to the conclusion of verse 32, and he says, despite all his wonders, they refused to trust him. Here's where where we come in. I don't want... To, I, I don't want to be refused to trust him. I want to remember what God has done. And I want every time that I think about something that, that, that it takes me to another level. Every time God comes through for me, every time God provides, every time God does something in my life or somebody else's life, that it takes me to another level, that, it, that, it, that it's school for me and things. Because I'll just be honest with you, I am so tired of not trusting God enough in my life. And something I have really tried to do, and I, I give you this homework assignment starting today and starting even as we're doing this, that we look back on life and we look back and just count the ways that God has come through for us, that we count the ways that God has, has, has provided, that God has bre- had breakthrough, that God has done something in our life and, and, and changed situations and changed circumstances and reconciled us to people that we were broken with. And, and I could go on and on and on, miracles that God has, has done, just taking care of us on a regular basis and, and let it be school and just let it go. Every, t- every time we think about that, we go, you know what, I know God can do this now. And the next time that we face the problem, we don't freak out like the disciples and go, wow, how is God, you know, I'm, I'm doomed. Because every time that God has come through us for in the past, it should be now, that should be our floor instead of our ceiling. Go, I know God can do this. I know he can probably do a whole lot more, but I know God can do this. I want to encourage you with something. There's a, uh, you know, think about this. The people of Ephraim, they had everything they needed to fight the battle because of what they'd already experienced. They had everything they needed. And right now, the battle that you're facing... Right now, the battle that you, we will face, the next, you know, the next, whatever it is, the struggle that you face, you have everything that it takes through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to have enough faith for that moment. Amen? You have enough faith. God has already shown you enough in this world, shown you enough, come through for you enough that you should have enough faith and I should have enough faith to go, you know what? I know God can handle this because he's handled this and this and this. This may be slightly different or maybe the the same thing. It may be bigger, it may be less. But right now you can say, I know God can do this because God's already shown me this. And I bet God can do this as, as well. You know what I pray? I pray we remember what God has done and we look forward to what God is going to do. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, this is what it was about. He said, he took the bread and he broke and he said, he said, this is, the, uh, this is my body broken for you. Do this in, what's the word? Remembrance. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember what I've done for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the salvation. Remember that I love you enough to, to create you. I love you enough to die for you. I love you enough to give you everything that you know, every blessing you've ever had. You should never, ever doubt my love again. You should never, ever doubt my ability again because I even rose from the dead after the, after the night of, uh, of this. 
So if, the, if, if we could prepare our hearts for communion, I'd like, a, I'd like us just to think, take a moment and just remember. Take a moment and just as the, as the, usher, or the, the ushers come to, to help and then also those who are helping with communion could come at this time. But just remember all the ways God has come through. The way more than 10,000 times. God, we remember. We remember your sacrifice. We remember your power. We remember your love. We remember your miracles. We remember your breakthroughs. We choose right now to focus on how amazing you've been in our life. That every good thing we have comes from you. All of life's blessings come from you. And we say thank you, God for dying so that we could have eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.